Greetings from Quail Lakes Baptist Church in Stockton, California. Thank you for your interest in our downloadable messages. Our more recent teachings, such as Pastor Mark's current sermon series, are always available on iTunes. However, for a more comprehensive offering of Quail's Bible-based teachings from Pastor Mark and others, we offer an extensive archive of downloadable sermon MP3s on our website, as well as information on our fellowship and our ministries. Please visit us online at www.qlbc.org. These messages are also available on CD or cassette. For more information, please call our church office at 209-951-7380. We trust you will be blessed and edified by what you are about to hear. Thank you for listening. Good morning. Well, that's loud. So I just have to tell you, anytime I'm asked to share my heart on a Sunday morning, it is a tremendous blessing for me. So my prayer is that you will be as blessed with what God has given me to share today as I am in sharing it. You know, it's kind of nerve-wracking when you've got to follow people like Pastor Mark. He preached last Sunday. But to have to follow Frank Turek, then Pastor Mark, that's just stupid. So I'm going to do the very best I can. But before I do, uh, would you please seek the Lord in prayer with me? Father God, thank you so much that uh, in your name we do have victory, God. Um, thank you for the things that you do for us. And God, we just pray that the things that we do for you would glorify you and glorify your name to those who might not know you. So now I would ask, Lord, that you would go before this message, God, that you would uh, give me the words to speak and that you would open the, the hearts of those who would receive it. For I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So every summer, much of the staff and lay leaders go to this powerhouse leadership conference called the Global Leadership Summit. It's hosted by, I believe it's Willow Creek in, somewhere in Illinois, and the master of ceremonies of that um, uh, leadership summit is a man by the name of Craig Grishel. Maybe you've never heard of Pastor Craig Grishel. Maybe you've never heard uh, of the church that he pastors. It's uh, Life Church, uh, which is a multi-campus church in Oklahoma City. So maybe you've never heard of that, and you're wondering why I'm using that as a sermon introduction. Well, Life Church um, created and offers for free the YouVersion Bible app. Everyone knows about the YouVersion Bible app, right? This, uh, in July 2018, YouVersion celebrated the 10-year anniversary of this Bible app. Um, this Bible app was one of the first apps available in the Apple App Store when they opened that up in 2008. It, it has been installed on 390 million unique devices. It has been downloaded in every country of the world. So why am I bringing this up? Well, actually, the night before this Global Leadership Summit, I was sitting in my room, or sitting in our living room, and I was thinking to myself, how can I interject the gospel into Water Day? You know, you got all these kids running around, you got these giant inflatable slides, but they need to, you know, hear about, gee, how do I do that? And I kept thinking to myself, God, think, Grant, think. Think outside the box. Think outside the box, Grant. You, 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 you're not doing it. You, you haven't interjected the gospel to water day yet. Think outside the box. But then I had this epiphany. 
I thought I was smart. I thought, God doesn't want me thinking outside my box because that's not how he created me. He created me exactly the way I am. He, he wants me to live inside my box and stop thinking outside of it. So I think I just had this, this intellectual epiphany, so I run in to share it with my wife and sister. God doesn't want us thinking outside the box. He wants us to live inside the box. We need to stop thinking outside the box. So the next morning, I get up, we go to this global uh, leadership summit, and I'm going to share this, we need to think inside our box, use what God has created us and the way he has created us, and I'm going to share that with all the global focus of the Mission Commission that is attending this Global Leadership Summit. Then Craig Grishel gets up to host this, and the first thing that he says when he's addressing 170,000 people that are participating is he says, stop thinking outside your box. Think inside your box. So, Pastor Craig, you're welcome. So Ephesians 2.10 is a verse that is well known to most of us, and it's the central verse for my message this morning. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Paul wrote this letter while he was imprisoned in Rome, about AD 60. And the, the letter wasn't a letter that was, you know, counteracting any kind of heresy that was going on in the church or, or confronting a problem that they were having in the church, as the church in Ephesus was a very, very prominent church. It was a letter of encouragement. Um, this is the church that the Apostle Paul established on his trek back to Jerusalem in AD 52, AD 53. And he's, and he's telling them that they are God's workmanship. God's masterpiece. You see, the, the word translated in Greek, workmanship, is poema, where we derive our English word poem or poetry. So th think about that for a second. We are God's divine poetry. We're the only thing in creation that he actually physically had to touch. So why would we want to change that? We are God's divine poetry. We are, uh, and when we accept his grace, that's when he actually begins his work in us. We become part of God's new creation, and God will continue to work in us until he makes us what he wants us to be. And what he wants us to be is more like his son, Jesus. Our responsibility, then, is to be content with how God created us. You know, so often we, we look at other people's gifting. And, and we don't focus on how God created us. We focus on how we wanted God to create us. We need to focus on how God created us. You know, I, I read a, um, a, a book by Louis Giglio called Goliath Must Fall. And in this book, he talks about how each and every one of us have giants. Right now, my giant is a dry mouth, so I'm going to get a drink here. But we all have giants. Sometimes it's a giant of approval. Sometimes it's, it's the giant of, of acceptance or, or um, you know, a workaholic. We have giants. And, and quite frankly, I had a giant. I had a giant, and my giant was the giant of comparison. You know, for the first year that I was here on staff, I was scared to death that one morning, Pastor Mark would wake up and go, this was the biggest mistake I've ever made. What in the world was I thinking? 
You see, I would compare myself to those on ministerial staff. I would compare myself uh, to pretty much, well, not Tim. I, no one compares himself to Tim. But uh, namely to Mark and see how I did not stack up. However, the more I studied and the more I actually owned who God created me to be, I began to chop down that giant. I will never be a Pastor Mark. I will never be a Pastor Randy. I will never be a Pastor Wayne. But what I can be is the best Pastor Grant that I could possibly be. And that is what I strive for. There are other people in Scripture that didn't seem to stack up. Let's take a look at uh, Peter and John, both chosen by Jesus. In Acts chapter 3, they were going to the temple to pray the afternoon prayer. A crippled man was there at the gate called Beautiful, and he was taken there every day to beg. When, when he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, thinking they might get something from them. Peter responds by saying, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And the man walks. Acts chapter, and you know what happens? That gets Peter and John arrested. And Acts chapter 4 tells us that they were taken before the Sanhedrin and were asked by the Sanhedrin, by what power or whose name are you, did you do this? Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called uh, into account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. When the Sanhedrin saw the courage of Peter and John, and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. The King James Bible translates this passage as they were unlearned and ignorant men. Ignorant, translated into Greek, you guys are going to love this, is idiots. <laughs> idiots. God used un learned idiots to start his church. And it's because of these unschooled, unlearned, uneducated, ordinary idiots that we have the faith we have today. Amen. Notice that in order for the miracle of healing to happen, Peter and John had to see the lame man. The text says Peter looked straight at him as did John. Then they had to engage him. Look at us, they said. Look at us. They had to engage him. And that prompted an interaction. Then taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's ankles and feet became strong. Peter touched the man. Taking him by the right hand, Peter had to become intimate in order to help this man out. So what does that mean for us today? We have to see, we have to engage, we have to get intimate in order to impact. Notice it did not cost Peter or John anything. Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. They gave him Jesus. And that's our responsibility, is to give people Jesus. What about the Apostle Paul? He wrote almost half of the New Testament. 
13 books to be exact. You might say, Grant, Paul was not unschooled, and you would be right. He actually studied under uh, a Jewish rabbi by the name of Gamaliel. Gamaliel was a first century rabbi and a leader in the Jewish Sanhedrin. He's mentioned a couple times throughout scripture as a famous and well-respected teacher. And Paul, the apostle Paul, was probably one of his most zealous students. The apostle Paul was a Pharisee with a pedigree. If you were a Jew and you had a daughter and you wanted her to get married, Paul was the type of Jew you would want her to marry. In his letter to the church in Philippi, he lists his pedigree and says, if anyone thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, that Paul says he has more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. That's a man with a pedigree. But in verse 7, he says, But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost everything. Paul gave up his pedigree. He considered all of it rubbish so that he may gain Christ. Paul had to become an idiot in order to serve Christ. You might think I'm exaggerating, that yes, he gave it all up, but that doesn't make him an idiot. When defending his authority as an apostle to the Corinthian church, um, he lists his suffering. He says, five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with a rod. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a, day, and a day in the open sea and have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. The stoning that he speaks of is actually described in Acts 14, 19, where he is stoned in Lystra. He heals a man who's crippled in his feet and like Peter and John looks directly at him engages him, gets intimate, and heals him. The, the crowd goes nuts, but they give all the credit to Hermes and Zeus. So Paul and Barnabas, they kind of like rip their clothing. You know how they did that? By the way, I ripped my pants for service. If that, I, no, I did. That's why I'm wearing a different pair of pants. I mean, I, everyone said I was stiff. I was, no, I was clenched. <laughs> but anyways, the crowd goes nuts and attributes the miracle to Hermes and Zeus. And uh, then some Jews from Antioch and Iconium come, and they win the crowd over, and they stone Paul. And then they drag him out of the city, thinking that he was dead. Some disciples gather around him. He wakes up. He goes back into the city. Who does that? Yeah, an idiot. <laughs> Peter, John, and Paul, they all did remarkable things because they put faith in Jesus. They had encountered Jesus. Ephesians 2.10 tells us we have been created in Christ Jesus to do good works prepared in advance for us to do. This raises an obvious question. What are those good works? We might be tempted to answer uh, giving generously, going on mission trips, attending church, you know, feeding the homeless, uh, providing justice to those who are mar marginalized, and so on. And these are good things. We should engage our community as people transformed by God's grace. What this does not mean is we doing a good work for God. 
Rather, it is God doing a good work in and through us. Folks, we can't do these things ourselves, but we can see, we can engage, we can get intimate, and we can impact. You know, our standard or current translation explains that we are created for good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The original Greek reads more literally, uh, which God prepared in advance so that we might walk in them. Teachers use this language of walking in the time of, uh, of the Apostle Paul, uh, much the same way we might uh, talk of living or engaging in a certain lifestyle today. Therefore, the good works of verse 10 aren't necessarily just religious activities scattered throughout an otherwise secular life. No, the good works in the Greek original embody the, in, the entirety of the Christian. All that we do by God's grace, for God's purpose, for God's glory. This act of worship does not only take place in church or designated holy places. This act of worship should take place in our everyday life. When we offer our bodies as sacrifices, we are imitating our Lord Jesus. And now, if we're going to imitate our Lord Jesus, we should be demonstrating the one characteristic that he most often demonstrated. When you think of Jesus, what's the one word you think of? One word. Look, okay, Shelly, you're about to get some holy kisses. Yes, love. You see, the depth of God's love for humanity, it, it's, it's so deep, so vast, so sweet. It's, it's like a river of love that pours through Jesus into the world, and it must be shared. We share this love by walking in what Paul called the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Winston Churchill had a quote. He said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. You know, the Bible tells us that we are chosen. Jesus says in um, uh, John 15, 16, that you did not choose me, I chose you and appointed you to bear fruit, fruit that lasts. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. It's that simple, folks, love each other. You know, the Apostle Paul also quoted somebody in Acts 20, 35, well before Winston Churchill. He said, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So Ephesians 2.10 encourages us to see our whole life as an interconnected series of good works offered to God and Jesus. And Jesus says that we do this through love. So about 15 months ago, I had a fire at my house. Not, not the whole house, just the exterior garage door, the fence, and my solar converter. And my neighbor, hold on, I can say his name, I have to... His name is... Julio Nicaragua. That's a cool name. So I think I wrote this whole message just so I could say that name. Julio Nicaragua. He jumped my back fence, grabbed my garden hose, 
And uh, I'm in the front yard with my garden hose, and we're both trying to put out this two-alarm fire with garden hoses. You know, the fire department shows up. They've got big five-inch fire hoses. And I think they were looking at Julio and I going, look at these idiots trying to put out this fire with garden hoses. Well, fast forward to the time that I was able to move back into my house. I was mowing my lawn on a Monday morning, and I noticed that Julio's white pickup truck was gone. He drives an older white model pickup truck, and he's a long-haul truck driver. So when his truck is gone, Julio is gone. Now, he's got two nice cars in his garage, but this one he has to leave at the yard. So I see it, and I'm like, I'm going to mow his lawn. And I mowed his lawn as a way of saying thank you for burning your face off trying to help me put out my fire. So I actually mowed the lawn the next two Mondays. I got him two Mondays in a row, or three, and I'm feeling pretty good about myself. And then I think it was a Sunday night, maybe Lisa could tell me, but I think it was a Sunday night, um, you know, we're getting ready to go to bed because it's dark, and I hear something. I go, honey, is that a lawnmower? And we, we sneak into our formal living room, and we look through the shutters, and sure enough, Julio's mowing my lawn. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, oh, you want a piece of this? You want to get involved in this? Okay, okay. So, well, I get him the next, I think, uh, two weeks. And because uh, um, he's out of town. He can't compete when he's out of town. <laughs> right? So I'm winning, I'm winning like, I'm five and one, right? Well, one day I'm coming home from work, and I see Julio Jr. mowing my lawn. <laughs> I'm like, no, that is cheating right there. Well, the fact that Julio Jr. is a millennial, he kicks my butt the next three weeks in a row, you know? And so I'm thinking to myself, I've got to figure this out. This one time I'm sitting in my office, my ring doorbell goes off and says, there's motion at your front door. I look at it and I'm watching Julio Jr. mow my lawn. <laughs> I got to figure this out. So Sunday after church, Lisa and I, we go to a movie, you know, and, uh, and I'm telling her tomorrow morning, I'm going to get up at like 6 7 o'clock in the morning and I'm going to mow all th uh, both of our yards. I'm going to get it taken care of. This young kid is not going to beat me again because now he's kind of almost pulled up to a tie, right? We come around the circle, coming home from the movies. Guess what Julio Jr. is doing? He's already mowed my lawn. I'm like, dang it. And she, she tells me, go out and tell him that he doesn't have to mow our lawn. I said, I'm not going out there and tell him. He's just beating me right now. You go tell him. So she does. She goes out and says, you don't have to mow our lawn. And he says, oh, I don't mind. I, you know, I figured I'd just get it done. And Lisa asked him, do you always mow both lawns? He goes, well, I actually mow both of these and then the neighbor on the other side too. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not even playing the right game here, you know? <laughs> so about a week later, I'm backing my car out of the garage, going to the gym, and I see Julio Jr. take off on a run. And I was like, man, I got him now. I put the car in park. I run inside. I change my clothes. I edge. I mow. I trim and everything. And boom, I dropped the rake on him. You know, <laughs> dropped the rake on him. Then the following Monday, I was coming back from the gym. And I saw him leaving the circle. I'm coming into the circle. And I was like, I got him again. You know, jumped out, changed clothes, edged the grass, just pulled the lawnmower out. Julio Jr. comes back, parks his car in the garage or on the driveway, opens the garage door and pulls his mower out and says, no, I got it. Don't worry. I got it. And I'm like, okay. So I got to, you know, I got to figure this stuff out. So the following Monday, I wake up really early and I, I get all three yards mowed now. And I'm in the process 
of mowing Julio's yard. Because remember, the, uh, I do that one first, then Julio's yard, then my yard. And I'm about halfway through his yard, because his truck is gone. And I'm mowing, and then Julio comes out of the gar garage. It's kind of awkward standing in the middle of your neighbor's yard, <laughs> mowing it, and he comes out and confronts you. So I just kind of let the lawnmower die, you know? And I was like, where's your truck? And he goes, it's in the shop getting the air conditioning fixed. And I was like, oh, can I finish? Because I started, and, uh, and he said, see. And so I finished mowing his lawn, and as I'm going to my backyard to mow that, he brings out his weed whacker and trims everything that I've already trimmed, by the way, but he's trimming everything up. And as I'm putting my lawnmower away after finishing my backyard, I notice he is moving all the garbage cans from the neighbors up to their fence line. I'm like, I am so not playing the right game here. Well, all of our neighbors are watching these two idiots. What started is me trying to just say thank you to, to him for helping me try to put out my fire has turned into a no-holds-bar, bare-knuckle love fest, and our neighbors are seeing it because the lady on the other side that we mow, her name is Rosalind, and she is Jehovah Witness. And we actually mow her lawn. We don't try to convert her. We just try to love on her. And, uh, and as, after I finished her lawn the following Monday, when I was putting my, I watched Rosalind put people's garbage cans up to their fence line. You know, and all it takes is love. Just like Peter and John, it doesn't cost anything. It just takes love. I can guarantee you this. God did not give me the spiritual gift of landscaping, okay? That, that's a myth. Julio and I are now friends. Julio has actually come and gone to Casa de Luz. He is a believer. He is a, a, a born-again believer and who walks in the fruit of the Spirit. And when I see Julio, I do see Jesus. On September 21st of this month, Quail Lakes went to Sierra Middle School and served them as our Love Stockton project. And I believe that their principal, Scott Tatum, actually saw Jesus that day because later on in the afternoon, this is the text he sent me. Can you imagine what our communities would look like if people would just live in love, help each other out? It, it wouldn't look the way it looks right now. You know, Leonardo da Vinci was quoted as saying, the beginning and ends of shadow lie between the light and darkness and may be infinitely diminished and infinitely increased. Shadow is the means by which bodies display their form. The forms of bodies could not be understood in detail, but for shadow. So, when people see us and our shadow, do, do our shadows reflect Jesus? Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for giving me an opportunity to share my heart, Lord. I pray that, uh, uh, that we would continue to live lives that glorify and honor you. Lord, that, um, that you would give us opportunities and, and bring things into our past that we could just express our love and show how much you love humanity, God. Um, thank you so much for, for, again, for this opportunity, and may all we do and all we say glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
about to go our separate ways today. Um, it's, it's always encouraging to see a church filled with people on a holiday weekend. So you guys pat yourselves on the back for that. Before we go, uh, I would just ask, don't leave with any burdens that you brought in today. We have prayer counselors that are going to be right over here by the Oregon. Just share your needs with them. They want to pray for you. They would love to pray for you and show you the Father's love. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, um, I love that song. Uh, when they see into my eyes, do they see you? God, I, my prayer is that all of us would reflect the love that you have for those that you created. God, whether they believe in you or not, let us display the type of love that would draw them close to you, that would draw them in so that you could do a work in their heart. So as we leave this morning, I just pray, God, that you would dismiss us with your blessing, and that uh, everything that we do this day forward would just glorify and honor your name. For we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.